And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 171, presented by CLNS Media, sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel. My name is Connor Ryan, and today we are once again joined by Ty Anderson of 98.5 The Sports Hub. Ty, thank you once again for coming on. What's going on? Nice. Uh, we had a nice late night last night. Uh, it's always kind of weird when they don't play for like a, a month and a half, and they're like, oh, by the way, it's at midnight. You're like, oh, cool, sick, thanks. <laughs> And it's exactly what you want to a uh, really riveting matchup against a very, very good shocks team. Uh, a lot to, a lot to digest, a lot of really good back and forth action. Poor uh, David Quinn. Wretched, I, wretched franchise. I, I like feel bad for, again. I am, I guess I'm slightly biased with David Quinn in terms of, uh, uh, his view ties, but man, that guy is now just steering a, a rudderless ship. He's like steering like, the, the orca from from jaws after it's already been sunk like that guy and again like for i, I kind of felt bad like again i think the bruins have made a very very good call getting jim montgomery but like remember how much that guy got like absolutely roasted by like bruins oh. fans for out of nowhere like and now he's, he's getting like killed now he's mired with this awful team that is only gonna get worse like you gotta trade hurdle and all those guys which uh might be worth paying attention to in the next couple of months but sharks not good at all no, no, not good at all. And you can see some pieces there that are going to ultimately be part of what they're doing. But, I mean, their goaltenders have just been obliterated this year, whether it's Mackenzie Blackwood or uh, Capo Kakinen, I believe is how you yes. say it. I, yes. Uh, not sure what we were doing last night, but that's all right. Um, you know, and and they, they're just getting blitzed every night. They're, they Entering last night, the uh, Sharks were – allowing over 40 shots per game. The only team in the NHL allowing that. And of course, there's an outlier there with the 50-something shot performance from Colorado. But still, not a very good defense. Uh, goal, those goalies are, are going to get sunburns this year. And you do feel bad for David Quinn, who his two NHL stops now have been rebuilders. You know, And, and it's tough to really carve out a strong resume uh, unless he has the full backing uh, you know, of, of the Sharks front office. And, you know, Mike Greer, an, another BU guy, uh, maybe believes in him, you know, maybe believes in the long-term vision of, Hey, you stick it out now and we're going to, we're going to keep you for when we're good. But the Rangers kind of had something similar and they opted not to. So uh, you feel bad for him, but uh, such is life, you know, there's 32 of those jobs. You got to grab them when you can, no matter what. And Oh boy, does he have his work cut out for him this year? Absolutely. Yeah. No sharks, not very good, which is good news for the Bruins who, I don't think it was their best effort by any means, but still did more than enough to get the uh, the three one win uh, on Thursday night. And I guess we'll just kind of dive into some of the big takeaways from that game. If you stayed up late to actually watch it, I know quite a few Bruins fans understandably knocked out for the night. But I think uh, leading off, let's talk about James Van Riemsdyk, who again scores another goal, has three goals in three games now. Um, looked really good on that line with Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick, which we'll touch on in a little bit, but. Ty, I'm not going to say that we were right all along, that that we knew that. And I'm not saying that James and Reeves is on pace for a 40-goal season, but guy looks pretty good, for what, for what especially when you look at where he was last year and what you're signing him for. Are we surprised at all that he's being a, a productive guy? Not a guy on pace for 80 goals, but are we surprised at all that he's a guy that looks like a competent play driver on, on this team? You know, not necessarily surprised by the results because I, I think we talked about this, but, you know, playing on that top power play unit and he was aligned to play with David Postrock and Pavel Zaka out of the gate, that's a good spot for anybody. You can kind of luck your way 
into 20 goals so long as you can keep up with those players and be effective in that power play role. Uh, what impressed me is is doing it with Coyle and Frederick. Um, you know, we talked to Jim Montgomery after Monday's practice when we first saw this line together, and he said that he felt that all three players – you know, had skill sets that maximized one another, right? And and I think you're seeing that so far. You know, having a net front of Trent Frederick and JVR, that's a challenge for any team. You know, two six foot beef. three guys. Yeah, exactly. Two six foot three guys over at 200 pounds. And you see it. You see it last night. Frederick draws the attention of two sharks. And then JVR just sneaks right in there and can shovel it home. And so, you know, but to your point, to your question, Maybe it's not surprising if, you know, you were like us and didn't think that he was totally cashed. Uh, You looked at his numbers, his underlying numbers last year. You saw a guy who was still creating, but was going through the worst dry spell of his entire life in terms of of finding the back of the net. So these things tend to balance out. Now, is he, of course, 80 80 goals a season? Of course not. But there is a natural sort of, I think return to what he's been this year and proving that he's not totally cashed. He's not cooked. He's still got some, some gas in the tank. Now we'll see what it looks like in, in January and February. But right now this is kind of what I expected in terms of how he looks and some luck turning the other way. How about you? Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think for James and Reams, like it's not like this is a guy that, you know, at this stage of his career, he's reinventing the wheel of what makes him great. Or, you know, he's not like a guy that, generated a lot of his chances off of like his motor or anything like this. Like this is a guy that's been created net front for a while. And even Charlie McAvoy, I remember after media day was talking about like, you talk about players that are so good at, you know, hand-eye coordination at tipping pucks. You know, everyone mentions Pavelski number one, right? That's a guy that everyone right. across the league mentions, but like JVR is right there in terms of just how good he's at that spot. And that's not something that really erodes in terms of just being a naturally gifted tipper of pucks, net front guy. I mean, Joe Pavelski could probably be like 45 and still probably get 20 goals a year off of just <laughs> doing that, right? So, uh, you know, for changing in dreams, like, I think some of it has to do with luck, as you said, but also it's if he's playing, you know, sticking to his strengths, playing that same game, and he's got a stronger supporting cast around him, that helps out a great deal, too, because you'll get like Philly last year. That power play, I think, was last in the league. He yeah. had like, you know, Joel Farabee, who is like a very solid middle six guy, I think, on a lot of teams. Not like shouldn't be your focal point guy on, on your power play, right? Like they don't have obviously not a posternock, but you look at just the amount of people on the Bruins power play that can get the pucks to him, whether it's McAvoy at the point, uh Posternock, uh Marshane along the half wall. Like if James and Rizzo, you know, keeps on playing to his strengths and doing what he does best, the Bucks are gonna be there. And it's the same thing even at five on five. If he's sticking with Trent Frederick and Charlie Coyle, they're gonna be possessing the puck, they're gonna be, you know, getting the other team getting tied legs. Uh, and they're going to generate a lot of chances. And if he's down the net front, he's going to cash in. So I agree. Like, is he going to have a 30-goal season? The Bruins would be very excited if that was the case. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. But for a guy that's signed to one year, one million, if he's on pace to giving you 15 to 20 goals, you will absolutely take that right now. I mean, hell, look at, like, Tyler Bertuzzi, who, again, not going to make that comparison. But if you're looking at just the basic output of what you're signing these guys for and what you're expecting – if James Enrique gives you 20 goals at a million and you have Bertuzzi, who I assume is going to have more points, but got yeah. injuries, got these other things, it all comes down to like that money ball kind of format, right? In terms of how you're utilizing that money, you get 20 goals for $1 million. I think you'd be more than happy if you're Don Sweeney and the Bruins. Yeah. And this is sort of, this was the challenge that was laid out before them. You know, they acknowledged this that in May 
at, on breakup day when we were all talking to Sweeney, he basically said, we're going to have to find guys who are coming off bad years and who are going to be affordable and that we feel that we can, you know, basically juice up. Right. And, and I think you're seeing that, you know, it's another reason why a guy like Danton Heinen is still kicking around on the PTO. It's that if he is signed based on what he did last year and based on his career numbers, you feel you're going to get your money's worth. And, and that's sort of the whole name of the game is low money, get your money's worth and then see what happens. I mean, it, it's the ultimate play for any team. You know, when you go through a cap crunch, look at the lightning. I think that's what made the lightning still a strong team and maybe not so much now, but you know, two years ago, three years ago, they would find these guys, you know, your Corey Perry's, your Kevin Shattenkirk's, your Zach Bogosian's like these guys who, you know, maybe their value wasn't what it was five years ago, but if you put them in the right spot, they could still be valuable. And I think that's what you're seeing so far through three games. Absolutely. And, and before we even move on to the next one, I think one thing that sticks out about the the Bruins and how they're really appealing recruiting uh, team now is I think you mentioned it or you asked on Sweeney. I think it was after Pasternak signed that extension of like, are teams aware of like they can come here and juice up their numbers with Pasternak? And Sweeney was like, yeah, players talk. It's like, yeah, you got a pretty good, you know, uh, recruiting tool right there. If you're a JVR or any guy that's fighting through injuries, uh, having a down year, if you want to come here and bump up your numbers and set yourself up for a nice payday, it does make a lot of sense. So that's definitely something I think you're seeing with JVR and you hope whether it's other guys they've signed to cheap deals this year or in the years ahead when they're looking to find other solid guys in the lineup for affordable deals, I imagine they're going to follow a similar strategy there. Um, now, moving forward to, I guess, uh, maybe not as positive. It's only been one game, but uh, Matthew Patra, who, again, I think is the, the guy that fans are excited about, but also if he does well, your lineup all of a sudden looks a lot more coherent or you're having a lot more guys put into roles best suited for them. But you also need Potter to drive play himself. Uh, he was with starting off the game with Brad Marchand and Morgan Geeky. Didn't do too much. I mean, he only I think he played under 13 minutes, zero shots on goal. Uh, didn't really generate all, all that much in this game. So, again, it's to be expected. Kid's 19. It's 180 pounds soaking wet. Are you concerned at all, Ty, with, with uh, his performance in that game? Or is this what we expect, the ups and downs of a young guy kind of trying to establish himself in the NHL? Yeah, it's going to be the ups and downs. You know, it's going to happen. And I'm expecting him to kind of have a bit of a similar game against the Kings. You look at how deep the Kings are down the middle. That is going to be another challenge for him. You know, whether it's Kopitar, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, Philip Deneau even. Like, they they have some, some high-end centers there uh, that can make his life difficult. What I will say is that, yeah, not the best game. I kind of liked the recovery. Now, now, if you looked after the first period, uh, Potra took six faceoffs. He lost five of them. He finishes this night with four faceoff wins, five faceoff losses. So for the next 40 minutes, he went three for three. So that's an in-game adjustment, an in-game recovery. And that's what I want to see. I, I want to see him, when he's punched in the mouth, to find a way to respond, to rebound, to do whatever. And so I, I thought he did that at the faceoff dot, which is going to be a ticket for him to staying in the lineup right now. Now, he's going to go through some of these, you know, and, and I think the, the down part of it is that the Sharks are not a strong defense. Uh, they are not a stronger, you know, they're not a team I look at and go, tough to get through that, you know, that front. Whereas LA, I'm going to be like, this is going to be a challenge yeah. for him. Um, what I hope, though, is that they stick with him. I really don't want to see him take a seat 
and have Patrick Brown in on Saturday night. Nothing against Patrick Brown, but I got to see how Patra recovers. That is the quick, that is the biggest thing. You know, Brad Marchand talked about this is that recovery is, is such an underrated part of being an NHL player. And how do you adjust from game to game? How do you find consistency? So I hope they stick with him for Saturday night. I, I hope that they continue to utilize him. I don't want, I really I hope that Jim Montgomery is not spooked by, by, by last night. I, I hope that he understands that, you know, it is a growth process. It's going to be part of it. So uh, I, I'm not super down on him. It, it's just, this is what's going to be, but if he has three more of these, I think what's going to happen is get probably going to be pretty clear that he'll go back to the OHL. If he's as quiet as he was, I don't think he had a shot on goal. As you mentioned, I think he had one giveaway, like kind of a non-factor. So you can't have three or four of those in a row. If he has a strong bounce back, be it Saturday or Sunday, you'll take that and you'll feel better about it than you do right now on Friday morning. Yeah, no, I agree. It's something too, where I think the Bruins, listen, like if the, if the kid's not ready and he's going to continue to really struggle or not impact the game and he's not driving play next to, you know, a guy like Marchand or, or what have you in the top six, then they're going to have to make the move. But like, I feel like the Bruins want this kid to do well. They want this kid to succeed. Right. Because as you said, if he's all of a sudden in a spot where he can drive play in the top six, so many other guys slot into roles where I think they're probably better suited and makes your lineup that much better. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they want Patra to, to thrive. Like they want him to, do well it's gonna you know the onus is gonna fall on him to do that but it's also one of those things where you only need you know one bounce back game or one kind of strong showing it's not like they need him to all of a sudden go scorched earth and he needs 11 points in his nine games right like i think don sweeney mentioned when Pasternak had his first kind of tryout there in those nine games and his last game was like that two goal showing and i was like all right yeah he's good to go like again it's, it's all about i think how you bounce back how you fight through these things if he comes back and maybe he's not this bombastic guy. Maybe we saw in the, in the preseason, but if he has a, a nice assist there, if he contributes, has some reps on the second power play unit and just shows that he can kind of fight through these things and fight through the bumps along the way. I mean, every guy over an 82 game season goes through the ups and downs. Uh, even guys that have established themselves for a while here, but it's all about how you kind of just build off of that and kind of have a short memory because if, if Patra can prove that he stays there, I think if you're the Bruins and I think probably, at least I share the sentiment, like the lineup looks a lot more, you know, easier to map out if you have a guy like Potra in place as opposed to, all right, we're going to put Kiki at 3C. We're going to maybe put Coyle back up in the top six. I'm not saying yeah. it, it, it's going to completely hurt your team, but you can see where the pieces fall into place a lot more if a guy like Potra is sticking around. Yeah, and, and you know, you brought up that they're going to go through these bumps and these bruises, right? And it's really interesting because I talked to Milan Lucic before the season started, you know, Lucic broke in as sort of an unheralded or, or quote unquote out of nowhere, 19 year old who stuck with the team. If you go back to that 2007, 2008 season, Lucic's first three games, he had zero points. He was kind of a non-factor and you were like, okay, what's going on here? His fourth game was in LA. He had a Gordie Howe hat trick. He had, he had a goal and assist and a fight. And Lucic pointed that out to me and said, that was kind of where he felt like I belong. Like that was his moment where he realized he got kind of out of his own head, you know, like he, he was like, all right, I'm here now. And he built off it. So here we are, you know, uh, 16 years later, Matthew Patra, fourth game of his career in LA. We'll see what he can do. Right. We'll see what he can do and if he can build off it. But there is a mental part of it that you kind of need that bounce to go your way to prove you belong after going through, you know, the valley, so to speak. So 
I, I think that that's going to be really interesting. All eyes are going to be on him now, I, I think, on Saturday night if he's in the lineup. You know, you want to see how he looks. You want to see how he competes. Um, because that can be a, a – that's that's this is the first real test. That's great. He gets an assist on the Frederick goal in night one. Uh, but now he's going through a little adversity. So how do you respond? How do you recover? I, I think it's a fascinating watch now between now and, you know, when they come back home. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely worth watching uh, that game on Saturday night against L.A. If you're going to stay up for it, I'm sure we will. But um, probably the biggest storyline going into that game is just how he bounces back. Um, before we dive into a few more topics coming off the Sharks game, let's take a brief uh, break here and listen to some words from our sponsor at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel is that you can bet on anything. You wanna bet on how many touchdowns Mac Jones is gonna throw this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many wins the Bruins are going to have in 2023-24. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. That's moving on now, looking at another guy. We look at James Van Reems, I guess, someone who's brought a lot of value right off, right off the uh, right off the bat here for the Bruins. But Kevin Shattenkirk's a guy that I don't think really had a impactful preseason. Uh, people are looking at him as kind of the replacement for Connor Clifton, but um, kind of got lost in the shuffle, I guess, in terms of preseason people look at guys like Lorai or the established kind of big guns further up in the lineup on defense. But I think Shattenkirk's been very solid. Like, again, uh, he's not flashy doesn't really do anything that really kind of stands out or makes a lot of highlight reels, but seems to be making a lot of really smart, simple plays. And I think in the offensive zone, uh, seems to have a knack for his pucks are finding its way to the goaltending. Of course, he virtually hits Ruta and almost takes his head off on one of the sequences. But in terms of like his offensive uh, play generation, making smart plays with a guy like Fulbert, which you need that third pairing to kind of be your do-it-all grouping, right? Like they're going to get a lot of D-zone starts, but if Shattenkirk can impact the game offensively as well, you'll take it. But what have you thought of Shattenkirk so far? I think he's been a pretty unheralded, solid contributor right out of the gate. Yeah, definitely. And I think that really, I think he's just a more complete player uh, than Connor Clifton in terms of like his experience, his know-how, what he's been through. And that's not a knock on Connor Clifton, who I thought had a, a, a very under-the-radar excellent season last year, I, I, I thought personally. Um, but just a different kind of flavor on the back end, really kind of like a, a Nick Felino type for the defense. And they really haven't had one of those guys, you know, like you can't, you got to go back to like this post Chara era. Like who has been 
the veteran they've brought in who's kind of whose voice has carried some weight. Like they brought in Dmitry Orlov last year, who's a great defenseman, but Dmitry Orlov's trying to find his fit in Boston. He can't be a veteran right. voice. He can't be a leader, you know, it, it right out of the gate. So they bring in a guy who's been through it all, uh, whether it's, you know, been in St. Louis, Washington, New York, Tampa, like he has been through pretty much everything a defenseman can at, at this stage of his career, uh, almost 900 games in the league. So I really like his game. I, I like what he can bring with Forbert. I, I think it's just, a, it's a more balanced pairing. Uh, in terms of how you can deploy them uh, or how you expect to deploy them. Uh, so, you know, it, it's it's definitely like a, a guy that I want to see. I want to see like the full assortment here, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to see him out there with Grizzly. I want to see him see what they cook up maybe with Lindholm a, a little bit. Uh, but overall, I like it. And, and again, if we're comparing, you know, like we did with JVR talking about Bertuzzi, well, let's look up in Buffalo right now. Connor Clifton has zero points and is a minus five. Down in Carolina, Dmitry Orlov has one assist and is a minus 10. He's not a parent of Tony D'Angelo. Not good for business, Ooh. I hear. Not good for business. Uh, but Jesus. but again, like, if you're moneyballing it, these are guys that you couldn't afford. And the guy you brought in is off to a strong start. With I'm with you on the shots. He has a sneaky shot that he can get through. And, and I find that really interesting. Is he as physical as, as Connor Clifton? Probably not. But I think at the offensive end is where you're going to see him because have a greater impact over the course of 82 games. So I like what they got there, especially for 1.05 uh, or 1.05 million. It's pretty hard to beat what you're getting so far. Absolutely. Yeah. And he seems like he's just a, a really good steadying presence back there. And as you said, like having a, a veteran guy back there, who's been through the the ups and downs. And this is a guy that joined a Tampa team that was coming off of the worst <laughs> loss in terms of, you know, record setting performance joins that locker in the next year and they, they bounce back. Right. So um, he's kind of been through it all knows what to say. I think in those moments, and I think his, you know, his skill sets caters to what they need out of that third pairing spot. Cause I feel like that's a third pairing that can kind of change as the year goes on. Right. Like, you know what you right. have in like Florbert, but if Grizzly gets bumped down there, if Lori shows up, you need someone in that spot. Like Chad Crooks is a guy that I think can play a lot of different roles. Again, like, is he a, Shut down defenseman, no, but I think like you see in a lot of these plays, again, not flashy, but knows how to break the puck out, knows how to make those kind of simple, smart plays to get the puck moving, get out of the D zone. Um, and I think that that third pairing has been pretty solid so far. And again, it's a kind of when you look at how much you anchor your defense towards, you know, the McAvoy pairing and the Lintone pairing and what they what they bring. You still need that third pairing to not take on any water. Like it, yeah. the plan works when all three of those pairings are, are are playing at a high level. You can't have that that grouping continue to get you know hemmed in, especially at five and five play. And that really hasn't been the case so far. So so far so good for Kevin Shattenkirk, who looks like another very solid signing. And again, these guys don't have to be impact players. If you're signed for one million, like GVR one point oh five for Shattenkirk, if they're just solid guys that can hold their own, you will take that. But right now they're you know, overperforming those expectations. So you'll just, certainly take that. Just don't sink the boat. That's all it is. Right. And so, and I think it's really interesting, you know, Jim Montgomery kind of said that they felt that they needed a, a veteran voice back there. And it's telling, you know, it's kind of like in the NBA, when the NBA hires a guy to be your eighth guy, you know, he's on the bench, he's your eighth or ninth guy, but he's been through the wars. He knows what to tell guys, younger rosters when they're panicking. And yeah, like, Think about this this defense. It's still young. Like McAvoy, Grizzly, Carlo, Lindholm. Like they're not 
all in their early 30s and and established like they're still going through it so and you look at back what happened right in that playoff series against florida where they were getting blitzed by a four check and you could tell it's kind of in their head a little bit I, so i think mm-hmm. you're seeing the value of a shattenkirk right away and when in terms to in terms of like in-game adjustments right like keep in mind they've had to come back in two of two of these three games like they've been down right. and they've had to come back and their defense i think has played a role in in the two comeback wins. So you're already, I think, seeing his voice kind of carry a little bit of weight in that room. Right. You're, the Bruins desperately needed their own P.J. Brown or Sam Cassell. Exactly. Blue line. And they actually might have it in Kevin Shattenkirk. So, uh, so we can continue to build off of that. And uh, going into, I guess, our final topic of, uh, of the pod, looking at Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick. And we kind of alluded to that with Matt Potter in terms of how important – his ability to stay in the lineup, especially in the top six, can be. Uh, I don't want to break up uh, Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick. Again, I don't really know what is what it is about those two that makes them play so well together. Like, it's not like you look at some of these other guys like, you know, Marshan Bergeron or, or any of these players and where their skills complement each other. It just works. Like, it, just works. It, there's no secret formula, what have you. You put Charlie Coyle with Trent Frederick together, you got a line that possesses the puck, makes it miserable for the opposing team can also be a really, really good defensive stopper uh, as well. So uh, another, you know, reason why you hope Potra six is because I wouldn't touch that third line at all. I think you keep that line together because again, Charlie Coyle, I think is a guy that can kind of do a little bit of everything, but when he's in that third spot with a guy like Frederick, those guys are money together. Oh, they're phenomenal together. I mean, the results back it up at this point that Trent Frederick makes Charlie Coyle better. And whether it's just occupying more space, clearing more space, we know how Charlie Charlie uh, Coyle likes to possess the puck. Uh, sorry if I said McAvoy, but anyways, uh, Charlie Coyle, you know, he, we like we, we notice that he likes to possess the puck, right? And, and so when you have another guy there who can just create space and open lanes up, really that third guy is going to be just in an absolute wonderland, you know, in terms of his space and what he can do with the puck. And you saw that with JVR, you saw with Taylor Hall last year, maybe didn't have the goals, but man, the chances were there, you know? And so I think that it's a combo that works. I love the size of it. I think it's a, it's a mismatch for third lines and third pairings around the NHL. I think that's where their value is. And also, yeah, to your point, you can utilize them in all three zones. And and that's what I think this, you know, you're looking at the post-Bergeron era. You really need a line that you can feel comfortable putting out there in any situation. Mm-hmm. And Charlie Coyle, you look at that line last year. By midseason, they were taking on some of the heavier assignments. You know, they were going against Braden Point. They were going against Austin Matthews. And so if you can have that still be the case with a guy like JVR with them, that's huge. You know, there's a sequence last night. JVR makes a great defensive zone uh, play, pushes the puck the other way, and now they're on the attack. Like, like if they can just rub off some of that, you know, that defensive zone magic on whoever they're playing with as their as their left winger, huge, huge development. So yeah, don't touch them, leave them alone. They're doubling up the opposition when they're out there together. Like, keep it. I don't care what you got to do. You want to put Morgan Geeky at first line center? Go for it. I don't care because third line, Coyle and Frederick. I'm not touching it. It's perfect. Leave it alone. Absolutely, and it's something too where it just you look at just how things fall into place. And again. It's not like you have a Bergeron or a Krejci up top too, where it's like you need to make sure you're not taxing these guys. You need to make sure you're not getting a lot of, you know, they're getting a lot of ozone time. You don't really have to do that in terms of maybe maintenance for a Zaka or a Potra if that's a spot. But man, 
you're going to make it a whole lot easier for those guys in these new roles if all of a sudden they can get 60% ozone time. You know, it's not it's not flashy, it's not glamorous for the third line or the fourth line even when it's, you know, 20% ozone starts. But if it leads to those guys playing well and getting a lot of uh, chances to really play to their strengths in the offensive zone, talking about Zaka and Patra and whoever's in that top six, it makes it that much easier. And I also think you have to give credit to Trent Frederick, who I think going into this year, I was skeptical about in terms of what we saw last year and whether that was just a uh, absurd shooting percentage or what exactly he's going to be. Um, again, I don't know if he's going to be a 40 point guy, but he does all those little things really well. And I think you're seeing a guy that's really, really confident in, in how he's playing. Like he's not, it's not like the, the early years of him where he had an identity crisis and it's like, all right, am I gooning it up? Do I have to be, you know, Tom Wilson light? It's like, no, I think he knows that he can play to his strengths. He can, you know, step up when needed, when things kind of go awry after the whistle, what have you. But he's a guy that's now, I think, confident in the offensive zone, knows where his strengths are, and knows that if he makes those smart, simple plays, they're going to lead to quality looks, especially if he's with a guy like Coyle. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think the other part of it, too, is that, you know, like you you kind of watch Trent Frederick this year. I'm seeing a guy who is shooting the puck way more than he did a year ago. You know, he already has 10 shots on goal. He had five yeah. shots in the first period of Thursday's game. But you look at him, and I think he's embraced the idea of being more of a shooting threat and not being a one-year wonder, you know, like like many of us maybe, you know, had in the back of our minds. Is he ever going to hit 17 goals again? Is he ever going to hit 30, 31 points, whatever it is? You know, like he, I think, is shooting the puck more. He knows what he's doing with the puck before it's even on a stick. And I think that's kind of what makes him a a, a viable threat when he's on his game. Uh, you know, think about last year. He had 17 goals, only on 120 shots. Through three games, already has 10 shots on goal. Like, so if he if he shoots the puck 200 times, he's going to hit 17 goals. doesn't matter what the percentage is. It, it's yes. like he's, he's just going to do that. If he shoots the puck 200 times, he will score 17 goals. It's just so – and that'll be more of a, a natural kind of, you know, looking line, so to speak. You know, he was worried about high percentages and PDOs and what have you. Uh, so I, I think that Frederick, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a player who's, who's really kind of coming into his own right now. And I, and I think that, you know, that that's a, a complete changer for the Bruins. Like if you don't have to worry about your third line wing and getting 15 to 20 goals out of your third line wing, that eases a lot of your problems, you know? So, so quicker and product and, and more, you know, shot mindset. I, I think that's what you wanted. It's what you're getting so far. Absolutely. So yeah, Jim Montgomery, if you're listening, I know you're a loyal listener to the show. Don't don't split up Coyle and Frederick. Keep it going. Keep it going right. for the long haul, please. That's all we're asking for. Uh, we'll all right, buy we'll, Expos hats. We'll all buy. Absolutely. We'll, we'll all do. We'll it. all follow Scott McLaughlin. Another shout out, Scott McLaughlin. We'll all follow his lead and and wear Expos hats and <laughs> and uh, draw the fanfare of all the uh, Quebec natives that are now currently present on the Bruins. So even even Ray Borg gave a shout out to him. I know. Time, so. I know. That was unbelievable. Ray Bork just, I like how Ray Bork just I've casually walks into practice. And he's like, Hey, Expos. It's like, Oh, not Hey, Ray Bork. Just Hey, Expos. <laughs> like what's going <laughs> on here? <laughs> Huge Vlad Guerrero fan. Everyone knows this about Ray that's Bork. Right. So that's right. All right. Well, I think that kind of covers all the bases for uh, looking back at this uh, last game against the Shocks. Obviously the Bruins now, uh, by the time this episode drops, we'll have a game later on tonight against the the LA Kings. So worth monitoring that game with Potra and all things we talked about. Um, Ty, before we let you go, is there anything you'd like to plug? 
Oh, um, well, well, you know, always on Twitter, always on 985sportsweb.com. Uh, I will be uh, I will be co-hosting the hockey show this weekend. So uh, go out and download that uh, when that is live. A little pregame listening because Lord knows you're going to have about 16 hours before the game starts again tomorrow night. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find me, 985 Sports Hub, and then Twitter, X, MySpace, Friendster, whatever, whatever it's it called is. now. Friendster. Yeah, so. Yeah, so so we'll be on there. So, uh, yeah, join in on the nonsense anytime. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. And if you want to read any of my stuff, obviously go to boston.com or you can follow me on, insert, social media platform, Twitter, X, what have you, at Connor Ryan underscore 93. That's where you can find me and all the gifs and other nonsense we tend to spew out during games. But, uh, again, this was uh, episode 171 of Poke the Bear. Ty, thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, I am Connor Ryan. Thank you, guys.